Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I'm going to let you in a little bit of my business. And I'm going to do so with the intent of almost making a great assumption that you are either feeling the same exact way or uh, you're going to need to refer back to this because uh, you're getting ready to feel this way. There is something so eerily, excitingly scary about understanding that you have grown to a place in your life where you are very clear that you cannot go back to where you were, but you are scarily excited about where God is intending for you to go. That you are clear on where you are at wasn't it, but where you are going is really calling for you to become something that you've never become. And as a matter of fact, it's calling for you to become something that you have never seen. That God is literally calling out of you an elite version of you that you can't even say, ah, I'm familiar to that. That you can try to look at people that you look up to. They may have bits and pieces of it, but what God is calling out of you is customizable. And the only way to truly and truly walk into that thing gracefully is to truly ask him, what, what are the coordinates? What, what is the GPS plot point? What is it that you're trying to go ahead and do? And can I say something to you? Can you tell me to be brave and strong the way that you went ahead and told Joshua? Because if I'm honest with yourself, with myself, there's an element of scariness to this excitement. To know that you have, you're no longer a child. You're definitely going into adulthood. But what does adulthood look like? Because you've never been an adult before. To go from being in entry-level positions to now getting promoted and getting to higher-ups or whatever it may look like for you. And to feel like, okay, so I definitely know that I can't, sustain an entry-level salary and I also have outgrown that seat but the seat that God is calling me to woo okay um you gonna show me how to how to do this Lord because I've never done this before this particular area of my life is new this particular area of my life is is uncharted but I'm clear that I can't go back to the crib that I used to be in figuratively and literally because I'm no longer that size I feel like in not only our personalities, not only in our physical stature, but there is something spiritual that happens when you grow. I literally feel like God gives you the square footage that you can manage and handle because I truly believe that when he says, I will not put more on you than you can bear, I really feel like that means that if he gave you this square footage in your life, that means that he knows that your wiring and how he went ahead and put you together, that you can handle that particular square footage. You can handle exactly what's occurring in your life that let's just visually say if God gave you a studio studio bedroom situation in the spirit 
then you have all that you need within you to sustain, maintain, and keep that thing clean. But if he decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and upgrade you real quick, I'm going to give you a two-bedroom. Oh, you're doing well with that. And so the more that he sees that he can trust you with it, the more that you start to feel confident in yourself that if God gave it to me and he trusts me with it, then that means that I can do something with this that nobody else can do. I don't care what no other two bedroom look like. The way that God put things in me, I make colors come to light. I make textures come to light. I'm People walk in and they go, oh my goodness, this is the most beautiful piece of whatever it is. It's because I have grown to adapt to, I used to be in a studio but I'm really enjoying the two bedroom and I may not have it completely furnished right now but there is something in me that I can already see it even though it's not here isn't that faith isn't faith seeing something occur and feeling it in your heart connecting to it feeling excited the passion whatever it is and calling those things that are not as though they were that sounds spiritual are you a spiritual grandbaby I think you is and that's good English but there is, there's something in that. And as you elevate from the two bedroom to, oh, now God can trust you with maybe an extra bedroom there. Maybe he can trust you with, you know what, your own real estate. Maybe now God decided, okay, you know what, now I can start adding on to you. Because any great parent knows I'm never going to give you more than I know that you are able within yourself to manage. I'm going to go ahead and explain something to you. When we used to move, okay, my son got the biggest bedroom because um, he's the oldest. But when we got our last house, it was like, "Mm mm-mm. My daughter, my youngest, got the biggest bedroom. Why? Because she's the one that keeps her room clean. She's the one that makes sure that it doesn't get disgustingly cluttered and it's not a a zillion water bottles and sneaking and snacks and all that. And so although he's the oldest and I want to give him more, I had to give him less square footage because he has shown me and I have realized as his parent that the bigger his room became, the more irresponsible he became. So it was like, oh, well, I would love to give you like a sitting area and all that kind of thing, but you have shown me through the way that you care for what I blessed you with, hmm, that you can't manage this. So now as a good parent, I'm going to retract on the square footage and deduct some of that until I get back to the coordinates of your level of responsibility and maintenance. And I feel like if we have that kind of wisdom as our earthly parent, I truly believe that God does the same exact thing. And so there is something occurring again in my life. And I'm just going to go ahead and be a hundred with you. Uh, the current position that I am in, uh, I'm not interested and I would tell you why I have grown to be a person that I realize I am a change champion. The way that God has wired me, I walk into environments and in the, the lives of people, I see what's wrong and I offer them the opportunity to take the information God has given me. I freely give to them with the expectation that they will take it, they will infuse it, they will digest it, they will take it back to God, sort through it, and they will start to apply change. 
I do that not only because it's my calling. I do it because it's literally one of my most favorite things in the world to do is to grow, is to thrive, and is to change. And so if I see someone is choking on something, I don't turn a blind eye to that. I say, hey, can I say something to you? Show me how you're cutting your food. Right. Maybe you should do it this way. Are you this, that, and the third? And I start to help them explore their situation so that even if I'm never in their environment again, they will never choke again. Because if God allowed me to see it, if God allowed me to understand what my calling is, then I dare not pick and choose who I get to share that with. If I feel led to say something, if I feel led to free a person who doesn't know that they're prisoned, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. But ironically, I it seems like God puts me in corporate environments where I am there to infuse the smallest amount of change that actually has a huge uh, outcome that's just like, wow, <laughs> nobody thought of this beforehand. And before I used to get irritated behind it. But now I'm like, oh, that's my calling. I'm thinking I want to go in a company and do this, that, and the third. And God is like, mm -mm -mm -mm. I place you there because everybody else I place there don't open their mouth and say something. Everyone that I place there, when they do say something, it, it, it's not with the poise and the and the personality that you have. Like, I literally wired you so that when you open your mouth and speak, people know that it's not only authentic, it's coming from a loving place, and it has to change or you can't be there. Literally, whatever the relationship is, family, friends, corporate, whatever it looks like. And so uh, God has wired me to speak in a way that, listen, I'm going to shoot from the hip, but I'm also going to let you know this is not working. And I, and I never do it in a way that it feels like this is not working for me. It's literally this is not working for the unit, for this particular team. For It's always bigger than me because one thing that I know for certain, God is never going to place me or you anywhere where he wants you to blend in. He has literally trusted you to be there to be the disruption to whatever is corrupted. The disruption to corruption. If it's not working, he will send you on an assignment to see if this particular place has soil fruitful enough to abrupt whatever that is so that now it can flourish. And people have choices. That's why the Bible says, I put before you life and death. Please choose life. He gave you the choices and the answer, but everyone doesn't choose that. And so in this current position, I have realized that I've hit my peak of change. When you know that you've hit your peak of change, where you know you've hit your peak of assignment, you have one or two things to do. You either coast into your next assignment or you say to God, here I can't thrive. I literally know what I'm called to do. I literally know how I'm wired. And this particular external environment does not have the nutrients that my soil needs to grow. I literally feel like when God plants you somewhere, it doesn't matter what's happening around you, that he will allow you to flourish. I also believe that um, the people who stay too long in external environments, you'll grow, but it'll grow wrong. 
So it's like the person who, if they broke a, a part of their body, let's just say they broke a, 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 a leg or arm or what have you, and they never really went to the doctor to seek the care that it was truly needed, yet it will fuse back together and it will go ahead and heal itself. But what happens to that particular bone is that it fuses wrong. It heals wrong. So sometimes if you are not cognizant to how a person or a thing is is healing or, or the path that is taking, you will confuse wrong healing for healed. Until you see that, yeah, your um, mobility is, is, is strict. <laughs> you don't see that you can't bend like that, um, that, yeah, what you used to be able to do before, you can't. And, and nine times out of ten, if you were to go to a doctor within that time frame, what would they have to do? They will have to re-break that bone to get it back on the track that God intended for it to be on. And so I am very clear when I'm in an environment and I can see the trickle of like, yeah, there's some growth, but I am aware that this environment, yeah, even if that person was able to stay here 19, 20 years, whatever the double digits is, right? Even if that person is able, the last thing you need to do is look at yourself and go, well, what is wrong with me? <laughs> like, why can't I? Mm -mm. What you need to look at is, oh, so your soil thrives here. Yeah, my, my uh, the things that I try to plant here, it withers. I can tell about the way that I feel. I can tell about the fact that I'm not able to impact change and that the change here is actually infecting me. I can tell by the fact that I feel heavy. And the Bible clearly says that his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Right? And so those are the litmus tests to how come this feels heavy because it could possibly be that you have um you have extended your stay, ma'am. <laughs> you have outgrown your welcome, if you will. And so that's when you go back to God unemotional, but very clear and concise and say, um, what do I need to do to complete the rest of this particular assignment so that when I come to you, I say it is finished the way that Jesus did, and then you can release me to my next calling. That is the difference. And real talk, this is what I, I like. I it took me a very long time to recognize this. That is the epitome of spiritual maturity. That you may feel emotional about a thing, but you're not going to God saying, I can't work here no more. I can't do it. You are simply like, listen, I know for a fact that this particular step in my life was needed for the stage that you want me to be at ultimately. But I know that I can't thrive here. I can't go ahead and how they used to do back in the days. They would go ahead and put a tent up and then try to make it home. And God was like, mm -mm, I, you're a foreigner here. Yeah, I just needed you to pass through this to get to where I'm trying to get you to go. And so... I'm clear that this particular seat that I'm sitting in, I've outgrown it. My assignment, literally, I called this week my finish week. I asked God to bring everything to my remembrance, anything that he wants me to do to finish this, because the one thing that I know that I was called to do is I'm going to make such a change that it's going to help the person after me. The person after me is going to have it easier because I dwelled and I endured and I persevered what God set me. But I understand that God didn't plant me here permanently. And so I'm clear that this seed I have I have outgrown. And so there, there's something else for me. And I literally said, God, you know what? It is so easy in this moment to start to get nervous, to feel like, um, 
you know what? No, maybe maybe I can make the pit home, right? Because if you stay somewhere, even though it's low, if you stay in it long enough, you, you can make it cozy, right? And then you can, and what you don't realize is that the more time that you waste in the pit, that is more time that you're taking away from the palace. And that the whole entire thing is not arriving to the palace. It is arriving there in a time frame that truly satisfies God's calling on your life. The whole thing about Joseph was no matter what stage he was on, from the pit to the prison to the whatever, the time that he got to the palace was just the right time for his brothers to come to try to find some refuge from from the famine that was happening. All the time that you waste in the pit, I need you to go back into yourself and say, I'm taken away from the palace. And it's so easy to, to try to comfort yourself in the pit. It's so easy to make excuses why, no, 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 but the pit is close to home. No, no, but you've been with your pit partner for this many years. Yeah, but you know what? Why start over when you, and you can pacify yourself in the pit, not realizing that all you're really doing is stripping yourself of what God truly wanted for you. And it made me remember the, the Red Sea. And I said, you know what? There's so many lessons in that that I literally just feel like this is the season that I'm in. I truly just want to call this particular season a Red Sea moment. And I'll tell you why. I applied for a position that I actually know someone who's working there. And I asked her, so what's the hiring process like? And she was like, well, after the position closes and the posting comes down and maybe about a week or so after that they start their interviews and this that and the third and I could feel me getting excited again more excited than I, I truly even wanted like I can't even really put into words but I started getting excited and I was like God like <laughs> that's in a couple of days the posting is going to close in a couple of days and and instead of going God please God please it was like God thank you like literally Philippians 4 came into my mind like do not be anxious for nothing thank God for everything so I'm reciting things and I'm getting re-excited and I'm stirring myself back up and I remembered I said you know what I, I know what it feels like to be on the brink of I can't go back to where I was but I cannot tell you that I absolutely know what's about to happen and so I wanted to speak to you right now in the midst of my Red Sea moment, that the fact that I can hear what's happening, I, I see what's happening, I can see the growth and development. And while it may be easy to go back and remain stagnant, while it may be easy to go back and remain stagnant as a slave, what I know that I'm promised is real estate. So I can't settle for that when I know that God gave me this, but yet I'm here. I'm here right now. And so, y'all, I'm so excited. Listen. You know I read an NLT version, right? I literally want us to to reenact that, to revisit that, re relive that, almost as if, like, put yourself in the Israelite shoes. Like, literally, when we read this, I want you to have that in your mind. Exodus 14. We already know the whole thing was, okay, he let them go, Pharaoh and all that, but let's start at verse 5. When word reached the king of Egypt, that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. Six, 
So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with his own commander. Eight, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. Nine, the Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers, and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were ch- camped beside the shore near Pi Harath, across from Balal Zaphon. 10. As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, 11. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough grace for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? 12. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people, get moving. 16. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so that the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on the dry ground. 17. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. 18. When my glory is displayed through them, All Egypt will see my glory and know that I am God. Pause. Do you realize that sometimes when you are trying to prevent the palace, what you're really doing is you're stripping God of his glory? That literally you feel Like the enemy wants you to feel like you're being set up. But what you're really doing is letting God set up so that he can really have the world on a bigger display see his glory. You mean to tell me that you believe so small of God that you think that he will allow you after you praying about something and it being your heart's desires that he would truly go ahead and get you at the brink of the Red Sea and just ha ha and then that's just it? Let me explain something to you and I'm going to make it very clear because I had to make this clear to myself because the enemy likes to play like this. You are not God's entertainment. He is not looking at you like, oh, you thought you was going to get married? <laughs> Look, real quick, she thought she was going to be a mother. Look, real quick, he thought he was getting out of debt. Yep. Or he thought he was getting that car. You are not God's entertainment. God literally delights in your heart's desires. There is something about you being happy as the creation that brings glory and, and excitement to the creator. You are not God's entertainment. Stop allowing the enemy to make you believe that God can only take you but so far. Stop allowing yourself to be Egyptian-minded enough that you don't realize that you are an Israelite. There is something happening in the spiritual realm that you need to be very clear on. There is a race to get to your promise. Literally, this iron sit out right here. 
As God allowed the Israelites to go chase the promise of the land of milk and honey, what's happening with Pharaoh and the kingdom of darkness? It is chasing the Israelites to try to get them not to get to the land of milk and honey. There's always going to be that spiritual parallel. As you are racing and being compliant and, and just faith-based and walking out what God told you to do, you're going to have things that try to go ahead and get there before you or distract you or try to pull you back to where you were. You're trying to figure out why can't you fight that addiction? How come you can't leave Buddy alone? What is it about old girl that she just feels like she has her nails just sunken into you? And it's not the person at all. It's the enemy working through the person. Because you mean to tell me Frower didn't know? Like, bro, you said that they can go. Now, of a sudden, now is, wait a minute, we made a grave mistake. Because if the enemy can go ahead and work through people, like the way that God works through people, then that means that there is competition for your promise. There is competition for your calling. And if you don't understand that that's how valuable you are, then you don't even understand you to the full extent. You are literally God's only plan for the assignment that he has for your life. It was one Martin Luther King Jr. It was one Malcolm X. It was one Rosa Parks. Rose, I need you to do this one thing, this one time on this bus, ma'am. Nobody else is going to be able to do this the way that you're going to do it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it in such a way that they're still going to be making T-shirts about you, ma'am. There is something on your life only that you can do in a customizable, unique way that God is counting on you. You think that God's going to count on you and then set it up so that you can't win? No, his glory is depending on you walking this thing out. I need you to really let that say lie. Do you understand that? I need you to really be like, time out. <laughs> this whole thing is a setup. Yes, this whole thing is a setup. This whole thing is a setup for you to get to what God wanted you to be so that the people who thought they can stop you from getting there, they can see it, and then they also going to have to see that God elevates you. Do you understand that you were set up for success? I don't care what it looks like. Like, imagine being the Israelites. And imagine, literally, like, and, and it's fear-based. I, I can feel it. Like, literally, 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Pause. Imagine walking out after Passover. You know, the Bible says they walked out with their fists in the air with defiance. Like, yes, we out of here. Eh. Like, super excited. You probably was getting your good nap on. You happen to wake up. You not only see, you hear the chariots. You hear Pharaoh. You hear they gaining on you. And it's like, whoa. That your only response is, is to go ahead and adhere to that fear that you're crying to Moses. Like, why didn't you bring us out here? Whoa, 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 whoa. You forgot that fast. You forgot all the plagues that God put forth. You forgot that he made it literally daytime where you are at and then nighttime with them. Did you forget that you were being led by a cloud by day and then a fire by night? Do you remember? Like, you don't remember all of that. And But sometimes with fear, when you hear all the tangible evidence of your past gaining on you, sometimes you forget that all God is doing is um, getting ready to set up something else up to happen. Oh, your supervisor thought that she was doing something when she did that? Oh, that was cute. Now watch how God go ahead and bless you real quick. Oh, buddy thought that, you know, doing whatever he just did. Oh, little mama thought when she did that to you. Oh, so your uncles and your family member and your friend and all, they, yeah, they thought that they had the one up. But I, but I promise you, 
The creation would never have one up on the creator. You're bugging. It don't work like that. In the words of Portia, um, Real Housewives Atlanta, who said that? <laughs> it don't work like that at all. I need you to literally understand your emotions are not the uh, pre-trailer to how your movie ends. Mm-mm. Let me explain something to you. I was just telling my husband this the other day. There have been movies that when I seen the trailer, I thought the movie was going to be something totally different. Not. This movie came out called Old. I don't know if you remember it or not. They make a lot of head waves and what have you. But it's pretty much about, you know, people getting on a beach and then the time was ticking and they went from this little boy went from six to 15 to being a whatever. And the trailer to me in my seat, being the person that was viewing it, it looked like a scary movie. When we actually sat down and watched the movie in its totality, it wasn't scary at all. And so it was like, oh, I thought this was like a horror thriller, like psychological. No, not at all. Uh, that wasn't it at all. It, it very much you can watch it at nighttime because that's what I was getting to. I was like, I'm not going to be able to watch this at night. And and th that's the kind of thing that the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to preview something and then he wants your emotions to adhere to what you saw or what you think or what you feel. You mean to tell me the Egyptians looking up and seeing that the, that the Egyptians and Pharaoh were overtaking them, that they automatically just concluded why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness so you saw the overtaking and you didn't think at least minimally oh they're going to take us back to be slaves you automatically was like bro they finna kill all of us no this is not a scary movie at all is that what you think God is making of your life like when you when you're watching how the scenes of your life is playing out are you watching a psychological thriller and it may sound funny the way that I'm saying it, but like real talk, ask yourself, do you really feel like you're God's entertainment in the negative space? Or are you the, the champion for Christ? And God is looking at you like if anybody can do it, you can. And God gave you all these promises in the Bible that you can read and refer back to. That God can make you refer back to the people in the Bible, people in your life, or even your own life. And on a bigger or even smaller scale, he can make you look at and see, listen, he's still in the blessing business. As long as he's on the throne, it don't change. Like there's something about the way that he fathers you that it's just like, listen, I may father you differently, but the covering is still the same. Do you understand that? You have to know this. In order not to be fearful when the past looks like it's gaining on you. Your childhood did not ruin you. you now that you have the, the information, go get the tools to undo this. Don't automatically see the preview of your of your childhood and say it's ruining you as an adult. Like we're not concluding death anymore. We're not finalizing from the preview that we're watching. We're not doing that anymore. And I love the fact that Moses not knowing that he was equipped for this. Like, like, like literally verse 13 says that Moses said, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So Moses, even in his like, bro, I have no idea what's getting ready to happen either. Even he was concluding and prophesying even in that little bit. How did he know that the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again? What the God tell you he's getting ready to do Moses how would you even know that but look at the very next verse verse 15 the Lord said to Moses why are you crying out to me tell the people to get moving watch this as the uh the Baptist bishop says 16 pick up your staff 
and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Pause. Do you see what just happened here? If you didn't watch close enough, you missed it. After Moses defined a thing and spoke something into existence that was not there, so he exercised faith, he literally said, Moses literally ended it with saying, the Lord himself will fight for you, just stay calm. The very next verse, God then asked Moses, why are you crying out to me? Get moving. So what? And then he tells them to go ahead and pick up your staff and raise your hand. Did you miss it? Let's do it again. Moses exercised faith, said stabilize your emotions. God went ahead and said put some action behind that calmness, and now here's your instruction. So you mean to tell me that once you go ahead and you say, okay, I know what the situation looks like, but I'm going to remain calm, calm enough to hear what? Your instruction. Your instruction to the point that God had to say, why are you crying to me? Pick up your staff. Has God told Moses before anywhere else? Maybe in the Bible, don't really know. Maybe Genesis or something like that. Who knows? Has he ever told Moses to pick up his staff? I remember a time that there was a burning bush and God was like, what is that in your hand? And he was like, a, a staff. Throw it. <laughs> now pick it up. <laughs> yeah, a little, little spiritual hokey pokey there. You literally have done exactly what God is calling you to do. You just don't know it yet. All you got to do is calm yourself down and say, what have I done? Where have I done this before? What what instructions have God has God given me before? Bro, the same staff that was in your hand when he called you, it's the same staff that's in your hand while you're standing in front of these people. Do something with it. The same anointing that God gave you when you came into this building for your workplace, once you know that it's no longer there, take that same anointing and apply it somewhere else. That same anointing, listen, there, you still have it on you. It is still in you. It is in your hand. It is in your mouth. The, the words that you speak, the way that you think, you still have that power. That anointing is your power. That's why God had to tell him, don't cry out to me. Do something with it. He exercised his faith. He then told everybody, stay calm. Then God was like, cool, now here are the instructions. Maybe you don't know what to do next because you haven't calmed yourself down. You still crying and you still got your legs shaking. You still feel nervous and your stomach still hurting. You getting headaches and you getting all these physical ramifications and you getting everything but instruction. How was that helping you? Huh? How long you been doing that? And do you have the time to waste there? Huh? Yeah, we can't stay stuck in the physical realm. Ma'am, sir, we cannot get stuck in the emotional realm. Sir, ma'am, yeah, what we not getting ready to do, we getting ready to calm all of that down and go, shh, God, what's next? Should literally be your spiritual stance. You are a three-part being, ma'am, sir, okay? You, you have a shell that houses a spirit and you have a soul. Your soul is your rationale, your, your personality, the way that you think. And it's very much in cahoots with your shell. So if your soul is feeling uncomfortable, guess what? Your body starts to go ahead and manifest that. But your spirit has a assignment to stay in tune, locked in with God. At all times, your spirit should be leading how you feel so that your body can respond to that instruction. Because the moment that you feel panicked, like the Israelites did, when they looked up 
and they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, the Bible says. Why did you bring us out here to die? So their soul saw something and rationalized it as fear. So the body started to cry and the spirit is being muffled. Mm -mm, We're not doing that no more. You're going to start living spirit, soul, shell. Spirit, soul, shell. And what you're going to do is get your instructions from the Lord in your spirit transfer that information to your soul and say listen I know you scared but God said to do this so this is what we getting ready to do <laughs> he said to go ahead and raise this uh staff over the water it's gonna split okay I'm gonna just it don't make no sense to me I ain't never split no water before but you know what if God said to do it and that's my instructions then this is what I'm getting ready to do and you're gonna make your shell follow that the instruction was go, what's in your hand your staff pick it up your emotions are saying, I never did this before, but you know what? But now your shell, your body has to respond to that. Pick up your hand and do what it said. Because your soul can't, can't pick up a staff. Your body needs to do that. So you are going to live spirit, soul, shell. Instruction, emotion will fall in line. My body got to do what I was assigned to do. Do you understand that? Listen. Red Sea moments are scary, but it was one thing for certain, two things for sure, okay? The Israelites knew, can't go back to Egypt, but they also couldn't understand, but where are we going from here? It's a a whole Red Sea, sir. (laughs) So, bro, what are we getting ready to do from here? But they did not know that it was getting ready to split. They did not know that God was getting ready to do some things that they have never seen in their lifetime. So when I speak to you like this, I'm telling you that you, you're, you're in good company. You, 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 you shouldn't feel like, but nobody in my family, but none of my friends understand. But I've never seen, bruh, the Israelite, listen, me too. Like, th- that's what they would have said to you. Bruh, show me a time that God uh, put somebody at the Red Sea and made them wait for a little bit. You talk about the wrong time to hear Jeopardy theme song? Mm-hmm. God, what you finna do, sir? <laughs> Moses, text him. You got reception out here? Why he not talking? Hello? You, you understand? Bro, I me. Mean, can I tell you, Um, can I give you a spoiler alert? Yeah, Um, it's going to look very much so like I don't know what to do. But the one thing I know is that I can't go back to where I was. <laughs> because I, I, I've outgrown being a slave. But I definitely don't know the coordinates to, um past this red sea and to make it worse telling my own business as a grandbaby i can't swim so god what you get did you really did you really bring me here to pass did you really bring me here to dissolve and be taken over let me explain something to you if you think (laughs) that um that God is not powerful enough to hold something up and recreate and do something different just to go ahead and uh, have your success come to pass, then you need to read this Red Sea moment again. I'm going to go ahead and explain it to you. I know that you are on a path that you're like, I can't go back. I won't go back. And you got confirmation that God said it and God did some things to go ahead and confirm it to you that you're like, oh, I definitely cannot go back there. That relationship is a wrap. This particular seat at my job is a wrap. That particular relationship that I thought I was gonna have my a1 my day one it's a wrap and the one thing that you do know is that so as you are journeying on to what you are walking out God that you feel like God told you to do the one thing that you don't know is what's going to happen next 
And I need you to remember that it's a Red Sea kind of swag on you, baby. <laughs> I need you to understand that what's on you looks a little bit like, bruh, I don't know what's about to happen, but I can promise you that you've never seen it in your lifetime. I can promise you that you're getting ready to be a trendsetter. I can promise you that what's getting ready to happen, you're getting ready to look back on your book of life like, God, stop playing. Like, you did that for me? And yes, he did. You understand that? And that people are going to read the book of your life, that you're going to be able to give that testimony to somebody else, and it's going to be like wow if God can do it for the Israelites he gonna do it for me and if God did it for you then he gonna do it for somebody else there's gonna be something that he does in your life that you're gonna have to look back and say bruh that was my Red Sea moment don't you dare do you better not I'm gritting my teeth and if I chip it you're gonna have to pay the dental bill you better not even try to think that God brought you this far just to bring you this far you are not his entertainment he is not he is not purposely doing a plot twist at your demise. This is just your Red Sea moment, baby. <laughs> Red Sea moment, baby. You already know what happens after this. Listen, Kobe, God bless his soul. When the Lakers used to be down and Kobe got back in, I was like, oh, let's go. I don't care what the clock say. We getting ready to win. If Kobe's in the thing, oh, it's getting ready to happen. Like, listen, I'm not. y'all better be afraid because what Buddy's getting ready to do in, in this under two minutes, oh, you might as well. And guess what? Did he disappoint? In his prime, did he disappoint? Okay, Michael Jordan got the stomach flu? Oh, it's a wrap. But is it? Bro, but I ain't never seen nobody play through a stomach flu. Red Sea moment. Oh, you had that many kids? And then you thought, oh, yeah, I don't know about marriage. Because I ain't never seen nobody marry somebody. Oh, then that's your Red Sea moment. Oh, you don't have that particular credential, but they said that that's needed for the qualification for this job to make this amount? Uh, yeah, you should have got that credential. But, I, but they never promoted nobody without that credential. Oh, that's your Red Sea moment. Listen, come on, baby. Stir it up. Come on. Like, yo, I'm screaming in your ear, but I'm trying to get you to understand. I want you to hear. If faith comes by hearing, then I need you to hear something that gets into your soul, that stirs up your faith, that stirs up your spirit to remind you. Then this is just my Red Sea moment. If I've never seen it, then that means God's going to do it through me. Through me. To this day. <laughs> you understand? It's your Red Sea moment, baby. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know what? I I'm at the edge of my seat watching the movie of your life. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm at the edge of my seat in suspense, and I'm so excited on what God's going to do for mine. Listen, when this job posting closes and, and everything happens, I'm speaking to you now like the way that I'm going to call you back in a couple of weeks and tell you, like, guess what? Remember when we were talking about the Red moment? I got the job! And that's how I'm talking to you now. And I'm speaking to you real time as someone who I just applied a couple of days ago. I don't know what's going to happen. I just said my prayer a couple of days ago. I don't know what's going to happen. But you know what I do know? That I've never seen it happen this particular way. I don't know how this particular... I, I don't know. But guess what? This is going to be my Red Sea moment. I know what qualifications you needed. I know that they usually say, oh, it takes this long. I know they try to, oh, but you know what? During this time, this is not really hiring season. Or you know what? It's been real hard for people to get jobs. But guess what? You, can I tell you something? Okay. Um, I follow a God that he will create something out of nothing just to make sure that I complete the thing that he, ha he wants me to complete. 
Like, God is so serious about his promise. He will split red seas and have a dry ground. How? How many times you pour something on, on anything and it was dry when you split it? Hmm? I'm sorry. Have you ever? Yeah, never heard of it. But guess what? That's the kind of dad. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of dad we have. You understand? Like, no, no, no. Nothing. Nothing stops God's calling on your life. Nothing stops the faith. Nothing. Listen, even Moses, and I'm sure he was trembling a little bit in his sandals. I ain't going to hold you. I know, that, I know that sand underneath his foot was like, bro, you are <laughs> shivering me timber, sir. But he was like, listen, in his little bit of faith, mustard seed, but the, but the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Sir, what did you muster that up when you have a million plus crying out to you? Because when you silence the things that are in your ear and you tap back into what you know God said to you at the burning bush, you got to remind yourself there's no way that he pulled me out of where I was comfortable at for 40 years. There's no way that he had me do all those plagues. There's no way that he did the fire by night and the cloud by day. There's no way that he's going to do this and not do something dope. So I'm going to just speak it. I'm going to just, spoiler alert, yeah, we never going to see them again. I don't know how he going to do it. He going to make the fire come down from heaven. I don't know if he going to just real quick do a tornado i don't know if he's gonna make them descend and it all gonna be floating and i don't know how that's gonna look but the one thing i do know that there's no way he brought me this far just to bring me this far shouts out to moses for speaking faith right before the instruction and shouts out to you to now realizing i need you to just stay calm and after you stay calm because clearly god doesn't answer emotion because he had to tell moses what you crying to me for huh bruh what i tell you Pick up your staff, sir. <laughs> like, yeah, God God is the uh, OG grandmother that's like, ah, 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 hush all that noise. Somebody want to hear that? Listen, uh, close that door. You're letting out my ear. <laughs> you understand? Like, that's how God is feeling. So at this point, if we know that emotion doesn't evoke the instruction, then calm that down so that you can see what the next steps are so that you can get to the stage that God wants you to be. Like, listen, let's get it. Red Sea moment. Listen, I held you on this phone this long that I'm not even going to give you a challenge. I feel like at this point you should have been like, mm-mm, I know what my challenge is. But I'm going to go ahead and do it because I'm a consistent grandbaby. Your challenge is I need you to look at the thing in your life that looks like almost impossible, that you're like, I've never seen this. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen next. I could revert back, but that's not, I know that's not what God wants me to be. As a matter of fact, I can confirm it because I wasn't comfortable there either. So God's anointing wasn't there. His covering wasn't there. And I didn't feel good there. So yeah, it's clear that I cannot go back. But can I say something? I need you to look at what's to come and say, I don't know how this is going to happen, but this, I'm just going to declare it right now. It's my Red Sea moment. It's my Red Sea moment. And I need you to write down your testimony. I need you to literally put it on paper. Mm -hmm, we're going to do it old school. Because guess what? We may not get the Red Sea again, but we'll always have Red Sea-like moments. There will always be something that makes you question again. Did you hear God? Are you sure he said that? Did you did you make a left and God said make a right? And so I need you to look at when you write this particular moment down and say, mm -mm, I remember that one time 
<laughs> that I was like, whoa, what's going to happen? And um, I seen how God went ahead and did that. And so whenever you are tempted to feel like, oh, no, the past is gaining on me. You know, the thing that I tried to escape is gaining on me. I need you to remember your Red Sea moment. Because if God did it once, he's going to do it again. He's going to maybe do it in a different method. It may not look like Red Sea again. But you, one thing you will know is that I don't care what I feel. I know that God is going to go ahead and lay it out for me. And I'm going to succeed. The end, period, no comma. Do you understand that? Okay. Because I'm looking at you. It's a little sad, so I ain't going to hold you. But listen, um, I feel like you got what you needed. <laughs> you know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to be unveiled enough to you, with you, to go ahead and boil the water, okay, brew the tea, okay, offer you a lemon slice, some honey, give you the spoon to stir it, and then sip with you. Who but your favorite homegirl? Who? Who but your favorite homegirl? Listen, I am spiritually full. I'm not even trying to be a, a Baptist a bishop. I ain't going to hold you. I am full. This was exactly what I needed. Am I sweaty? Possibly. Did my deodorant go somewhere? I'll find it. Mind your business. So I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go uh, so I can go ahead and handle the situation, okay? We talk later? Yes. Later. <laughs>